Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Oh, the posh, posh, traveling life, the traveling life for me. First cabin and captain's table, regal company. Whenever I'm bored, I travel abroad, but ever so properly. Pour out, starboard home, posh with a capital P. Oh, You're listening to Saturday Night on the Circle on 93 WIPC. The hands that hold it's the It's great to be back in the Indianapolis. I am your the Hatchet broadcaster, Ethan Hatcher. That's producer Carl sitting opposite me, pushing the buttons and doing the things to make the show function. And boy, I'm so grateful to be back in the city. It was harrowing, to say the least. I wasn't entirely sure I would make it for tonight's broadcast. I'll explain in just a minute. But first, we're going to preview what's coming up. Of course, uh, Wish TV has announced the first televised mayoral debate in more than 20 years. What they're billing as the first mayoral debate of this election cycle should be interesting. Uh, The city is bragging about a disastrous plan that is going to slow traffic to a halt and enshrine gridlock as a permanent feature of uh, travel in Indianapolis. Also, a major factory coming to Edinburgh, potentially all this and more coming up on Saturday night on The Circle. But like I said, I wasn't even sure I was going to make it for tonight's broadcast because I took a trip over Labor Day to Pennsylvania visiting friends uh, for a couple of reasons to visit them and also to check out a phenomenal phonograph exhibition uh, just outside of Baltimore in Maryland. But on the way, my vehicle broke down. And the worst thing that could happen to a truck, too, the transmission failed. Like, I didn't even figure out what was going on until I already got off the uh, Pennsylvania Turnpike because I was listening to the radio and had that thing cranked up, so I wasn't hearing the grinding that evidently must have been getting progressively louder as I traveled the nearly 525-mile journey uh, to just uh, outside of Harrisburg. It was was nuts and very unfortunate, but I'm glad to be here. Oh, Producer Carl, would you believe this? I posted about it on Facebook, and this is proof that WIBC really does have the greatest listeners in the world. Some of the listeners offered to bail me out and send me money (laughs) to get me out of Pennsylvania. I appreciate it endlessly, but fortunately, I didn't have to rely on the listeners because that's what grandparents are for. Grandparents in times of emergency uh, sent me the funds, fortunately, to get the vehicle uh, at least looked at and taken care of, but it's back in Pennsylvania. I got to go back. So what are you taking to go back to Pennsylvania. Uh, that's a matter of great debate, Carl. I could take the bus, could take the train, could take a plane, or I could rent another $300 yeah. automobile. Uh, by the way, Enterprise, what a bunch of unhelpful asshats they were. Um, <laughs> they're not an, They're not a sponsor of ours, are they? <laughs> I hope not, no. but uh, but it was a miserable experience to say the least. I trot into one of these, you know, little uh, uh, facilities to try and rent a vehicle, and they're like, they're b- basically, we don't rent cars here, sir. What? Right. Enterprise. Well, we don't do, you know, in-state trips only. We don't do out-of-state, and I I had to book it over the phone. And believe it or not, when you do book a rental car over the phone, um, at least you you will be able to find. <laughs> 
that service through Enterprise. So made it home, vehicles in Pennsylvania. I have to get a transmission replacement, a clutch replacement, uh, get an oil change too, just throw that in there. <laughs> I was hoping that you were going to come back in that little Japanese truck that you were sh showing on social media. Oh, isn't that so cool? <laughs> that, was my, that was my buddy. He let me drive around uh, his Japanese rig. It's uh, actually imported from oh, overseas. Yeah. Those things are neat, but uh, man, my knees yeah, were knocking you're... against the dash. I, I could not drive one of those things. I safely. don't know if it's even road safe on our interstates either. Yeah. <laughs> well, it, it, not when I'm driving it. <laughs> no, <laughs> didn't look safe. But making it back home. And again, the phonograph ex uh, exhibit that I saw in Baltimore, I posted some uh, photos of it online. Phenomenal. I mean, I can't understate the uniqueness of the machines that were being displayed. A collector in the community, Charlie Hummel, passed away, sadly, before I had the opportunity to uh, meet him. And he had just a fantastic collection of one-of-a-kind Edison machines, stuff that date all the way back to the very first reproduction of sound in, like, the 1870s. So these are low-production number, you know, models very early in the, uh, 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 the career of sound reproduction. And and very few surviving, and he had them. Um, it, it was it was crazy to see them not only displayed but also demonstrated um, and sound recorded on a tin foil. Like that's just oh, it's so cool. I like stuff like that. Obvi you know, obviously, I geeked out on it. Fortunately, I was able to limp. I was able to limp the truck with transmission problems to Baltimore and back from Harrisburg. But then, yeah, had to had to leave it at the mechanic. Anyway, um, we got a lot of interesting stuff uh, that I was missing out on while I was dealing with uh, mechanical issues in Pennsylvania, potentially getting stranded. Like, I couldn't even find a, a repair shop until Tuesday because of the Labor Day holiday. Like, this thing craps the bed on Saturday yeah, it's, Saturday night. It's the worst night. time for your car to break down. Yeah. <sighs> It was a nightmare. And meanwhile, I'm missing out on all the Indiana politics, including apparently Wish TV announcing what they're billing as the first mayoral debate between Joe Hogsnot and Jefferson Shreve. Your vote 2023. Wish TV is proud to announce we will host the first live televised debate in the 2023 Indianapolis mayoral race. Joe Hogsett and Jefferson Shreve have agreed to a one hour debate here at the Wish TV studios on October 23rd. Wait a minute. October 23rd. That's an interesting phrasing. Now, what producer Carl comes to mind or is implied by first mayoral debate? That there's going to be more than one? Right. There's, yeah. there's going to be more than one. But if this is on October 23rd, were they going to have more than one a week? Are they going to do it next week on the 30th? The election's on How the 7th. here on Saturday night on The Circle? Sure. <laughs> well, this is the first uh, televised debate in more than 20 years, which blew my mind. I, I guess I didn't realize that. Has city politics in Indianapolis been so predictable and unremarkable for so long that they didn't need a televised broadcast of the debate? This is... Well, okay. the, the question I was listening to Abdul's show is the question whether or not uh, either one's going to show up for the debate. So <laughs> we'll see. Well, um, I mean, I mean, they committed themselves. What, what, what the question that comes to my mm -hmm. mind um, is, of course, the hosts, Phil Sanchez and uh, Kira, uh, Katira Winfrey, they're going to be moderating. And I wonder if Phil Sanchez is going to ask the question we all want to know is where where was Hogsett during the riots? The answer is going to be no. <laughs> He's not going to ask that question. But, it's but a that's fa why it's you a need question, to be there. I, yeah, yeah, I wish. WIBC and, and Channel 8 are why? news partners. Why would that question not be asked in a mayoral? Because they lose access. That's the problem. That's why journalism is not journalism anymore. They lose access. 
Um, now, another disaster that's set to befall us. I'm not sure if you've seen this, Carl. Uh, Mayor Hogsnot was uh, bragging with Andre Carlson and uh, Andre Car- Andre Carson and the rest of the Good Time Fund Brigade at the City Council about this mutilation of our roadways. They're turning eight one-way roads into two-way uh, thoroughfares in the city, and this is going to dr- grind traffic to a halt. It's a problem, and they're billing it as a way to slow down traffic and also as a boon to local businesses which I think is kind of a tenuous connection to make, but it's going to make crossing these neighborhoods infinitely more dangerous. And another justification I've seen is like, oh, well, that's going to really cut down on the amount of uh, people driving the wrong way on a one-way road. Newsflash, morons, they drive the wrong way on a two-way road too. It's not going to improve things. What it's going to do is it's going to create gridlock in the city and it's going to basically as a means of social engineering force you to rely on their failed projects like the red line because if it's too frustrating to get across town in a car, maybe you'll hop on an electric bus instead. Incidentally, that also poorly thought out since it's fracturing the concrete because they didn't account for the weight of the buses. Everything in this administration poorly thought out, and it's crazy that the Hogsnot uh, administration has essentially been a one-man wrecking crew across the city that I loved. It's barely recognizable from what it looked like in 2015, and it's just a darn shame that Jefferson Shreve is the the candidate that we're left with um, when he, instead of attacking Hogsnot on his weak points, um, decides to go after law-abiding citizens as part of his foundational policy positions like yeah, this is, that's, this so that's the question about the debate they agree <sighs> on so many things <laughs> yeah that's that's going to be another problem well i guess we'll have to tune in and you can catch the highlights here uh, analyzed uh, in detail on saturday night on the circle stay tuned we've got a lot more to come including perhaps a happy announcement for jobs coming to uh, outside of indianapolis in edinburgh a major facility may be moving in i'll tell you more coming up next i'm afraid exposure is the only answer it's the opinion of the entire staff that dexter is criminally insane same 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 you're listening to saturday night on the circle on 93 wibc Thanks for tuning in to Saturday Night on the Circle. Find my podcasts uploaded to SaturdayNightOnTheCircle.Fireside.FM or WIBC.com. You can also find my whiteboard drawings uploaded there to the show page. Um, Producer Carl, pushing the buttons and doing the things to make the show function. We begin uh, with a surprising newsflash. Apparently, our prosecutor does know uh, how to uh, file criminal offenses. Uh, this was shocking. Uh, he pressed charges against the uh, great Magic the Gathering gaming card heist of the Gen Con convention. Did you hear about this, producer Carl? Nearly $300,000 in trading cars absconded with by these two New York rapscallions who had nary a thing to do with Gen Con. This well, is well, heist I'm, of the century. I'm glad he's making the streets of Indianapolis safer. Right? Now, yeah. you know, that's what I said. I applaud that he's going after some uh, ne'er-do-wells. Now do this with the violent criminal offenders. Please? Please? I <laughs> might be asking too much. Right. Well, they they caught up with these guys pretty quick. I guess they stole the goods uh, August 1st before the convention had even started. Uh, took a pallet jack <coughs> and just uh, hauled them away. 
I guess, and later drove them off in their own vehicle to New York. Must have planned it ahead of time because they weren't even uh, convention goers or uh, vendors at the venue. Um, But they clearly had a hankering for Magic the Gathering uh, trading cards and were quickly caught up with uh, involving... New York State Police, who joined in on the investigation and later caught up with 115 stolen boxes of gaming cards and books from Gen Con. Now, like, how big were those boxes? Did they already sell most of the goods? Like, did this go off over eBay and they made the profit and this was what was left? Or these rather relatively large boxes? Like, $260,000 of trading cards. You'd think that there's a volume of this or are they that valuable? I... I Need to go to Gen Con and find out the answers to these questions. <laughs> Clearly, the DA is probably a Gen Conner. Like, he's into it. So this is why he was focused oh, on it. Yeah, that's a good that's a good point. Uh, just like uh, the governor and uh, his pro basketball policy that always worms its way through the General Assembly because he likes basketball. So, you know, the prosecutor, he likes Gen Con, you know, maybe, maybe uh, plays Magic the Gathering or Dungeons and Dragons, one of the other board games. And that's why he's going after this. That is an insightful observation, Producer Carl. I like that. Um, Now, I did say that we were potentially getting a rather large expansion to jobs, a a huge food and beverage facility owned by King's Hawaiian, um, proposed for at a location just south of Edinburgh in German Township. I mean, this thing is huge. It's called Project Whiteboard. They're going to be the first manufacturers in this 532,000 square foot food and beverage production facility that includes a 368,000 foot foot manufacturing facility with 78,000 square feet of cold beverage storage. Like this is serious stuff. And I appreciate anytime jobs are brought to the Hoosier homeland. So in honor of this proposition, which as I understand it hasn't been approved yet, um, I brought some delicious King's Hawaiian rolls, dinner rolls, the sweet rolls you get at Thanksgiving, uh, they're fantastic, to the studio so Carl and I can enjoy them. Thank you, Ethan. Uh, King's Hawaiian, not a sponsor, but would sure be heck of privileged if they chose yeah, to be. Yeah, should be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sponsor Saturday night on The Circle. We'll give you all the good press. <laughs> Those are big, darn good dinner rolls, oh, yeah, right? they are. They're great. Mm-hmm. Mm. Just a little bit. They're better than that conservative chocolate that you brought the other day for like $25 a bar. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Considerably cheaper too. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was, what was it? What was it like five bucks a bar? That's Mm -hmm. like five bucks for the whole package of 12 dinner rolls. Like that'll get you, that'll get you taken care of. So yeah, Kings Hawaiian, it would be great if they moved just South of Edinburgh, because think about how many jobs you can stuff Mm -hmm. in a 500,000 square foot manufacturing facility. Like that's a lot of bread figuratively and literally. Yeah. <laughs> Being King's Hawaiian. Excuse the pun, yeah. Right. Who else would go in there? That's what I want to know. Maybe some Coca-Cola? We could pay. Yeah. We always need another bottling mm-hmm. plant. That would be just fine and dandy because uh, there's a shortage of good-paying jobs, you know? Um, as a byproduct of uh, the, the Biden economy, which now they're running on. Bidenomics, yeah. suddenly. <laughs> yeah, we get to thank Joe. Something Joe that's and they, Joe they can Biden. lean into. Um, now, they can leave the, the California BS behind, but they can bring the jobs here. Uh, can can King, exactly. Kings of Wine. 
Um, another thing that would potentially be a boon to the state, as I understand it, is being considered by the General Assembly, the economic impact of legalizing re- marijuana consumptions and in some way, whether that be recreational um, or medical. And look, business owners would hop on the opportunity, as was reported by Wish TV 8. 23 states have legalized recreational marijuana and another 15 allow medical sales. Shadi Curry employs about 40 people at eight Indy e-cigs locations and a hemp processing facility in Indianapolis. He says he'll expand if the state ever legalizes cannabis. All the business owners like myself that would be investing in the cannabis space, the jobs that that would create, the amount of money that would go back into enforcement, law enforcement, mental health treatments. States where it's legal say recreational marijuana tax money funds education, roads, and other government services. And really, that's what it all comes down to, doesn't it, is the tax money? Because that that's why we, uh, th- that was one of the big things in the uh, early American uh, colonies, is taxing alcohol production. <laughs> um you know, taxing uh, recreational substances has been part and parcel, essentially, of American policy since the dawn of the country. Um, and if that's the way that we have to rationalize it to the General Assembly, so be it, because uh, in those states that have legalized it, Michigan ranked uh, uh, raked in $325 million in tax revenue from $1.9 billion in sales from last year alone. Illinois, our neighbor to the West, took in $445 million in tax revenue from $1.5 billion in sales. And like uh, 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 traffic director Matt Baer has proposed in the past, pot for potholes, you know? (laughs) And if that's what gets the government to move, if if there's one thing that would get the government to move, it is taxes. Taxes! (laughs) Taxes! Beautiful, lovely taxes! And then, if nothing else, just the freedom for Americans to recreate in the way that they wish. If you're not harming anybody, like, what's the point? There's certainly more danger in the drunk drivers that kill a litany of people across the United States. It's basically the American pastime. What do you see parked out in front of those bars? Cars. That's how they get there. Um, and then irresponsible choices are made, uh, whereas comparing you know, recreational marijuana, as far as I'm aware, there has never been a single reported fatality directly caused by the consumption. I love smoking marijuana. It makes me feel fantastic, so I do it when I wanna. Y'all ain't gonna convince me weed is a bad thing, especially since you're so mad, man. And I'm cool, calm, collected, well-respected, motivated, driven, wide awake and living, making a living with my God-given talent. Sally Ford, tally-ho, onward we go. Onward we go with more Saturday Night on the Circle. Coming up next, of course, is the Hat Tricks with Hatcher segment. And boy, do I have some amazing clips lined up for you. We're checking back in with Green Jean-Pierre, as well as Mads Mickelson asked an especially baffling question um, about his 1700s Danish movie in production. Uh, So we'll catch up on all the details up next. Stay tuned to Saturday Night on the Circle. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Saturday Night on the Circle podcast. Be sure to catch us live every Saturday night from 7 to 9 Eastern on 93 WIBC Indianapolis and watch us on the YouTube live stream where you can comment live with other fans. 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Time goes slowly, but carries on. And now the best years have this is Saturday night on the Circle on 93 WIPC. This week we'll be checking in with Press Secretary KJP as she tries to justify the disastrous missteps of the Biden administration, fielding a desperate distraction in the hopes of gaslighting away valid criticism. You'll also hear a heroic Nevada Ranger take charge in handling road-blocking climate numbskulls endangering citizens baking in the desert sun. And finally, a hilarious exchange with an unhinged reporter shows how far entertainment has fallen. And you'll hear it all for this week's edition of Hat Tricks with Hatcher. It's time for another one of Hatcher's Hat Tricks. The story you are about to see is true. The names have been changed to protect the innocent. You're listening to Saturday Night on the Circle, where I'm your host, Ethan Hatcher, and producer Carl pushes the buttons to make the show function. Thanks for tuning in, as usual. Let's Check in with Karine Jean-Pierre. And according to her, Biden has a near telepathic connection, a laser-like focus on what Americans really need. He has his finger on the pulse of what it is that the American people need. He talks about issues that really matter to the American people, and he is delivering. Is there more work to be done? There's always more work to be done, but we are happy to take that on. Have you lost your reptilian ass mind? Delivering? I think you mean roundly failing in nearly any area he addresses, be it the border, be it the economy, be it the withdrawal from Afghanistan, be it a basic press conference. The man can't argue his way out of a wet paper sack, let alone represent the country. Talk about his finger on the pulse. I think the White House doctor needs to have his finger on the Biden pulse to see if it's beating. Like, he got, he's tripping up the stairs. It's basically like a weekend at Bernie scenario. Yeah, producer Carl's laughing in the background because he knows it's true because it's basically a corpse walking. Like they, they, let let the man retire. <laughs> it's it's cruel and unusual with it. It's elder abuse, I think people have called it. I agree. Uh but Corinne Jean-Pierre not done uh also making a statement that uh you know, after the vac- you know, after the multiple boosters, uh, after there's been multiple resurgences of COVID-19, clearly vaccines work. The experts feel that, uh, again, listen to the experts, CDC, FDA, they got to go through their process in getting these vaccines uh, done and ready to go. That's going to be mid-September. We're, what, September, I don't know, 5th? What is it? Right? Right? So uh, we're not far from that, from mid-September, and uh, we're going to do our job as we do every time when it comes to new vaccine or anything, any of the tools that are out there. We're going to make sure that we encourage uh, we encourage uh, Americans to get those vaccines. We know, we know that these vaccines work, right? We know when people stay up to date with their vaccine, that works. I I think I can smell shite. (laughs) Yes, I can definitely smell shite. What do you mean the vaccines work? What do you mean after... (laughs) 
Now, multiple years. Remember the, the first round of vaccines, they said transmission would be totally prevented, and that was quickly disproven. And now it's not lessening the side effects. The side effects are basically a flu. So, no, the, what, there, there is no point in going to get the billionth vaccine. The severity of the pandemic is done. So it is just ridiculous to see the administration lean on vaccines, uh, which then, uh, you know, unfortunately has a side effect of diluting uh, trust in real vaccines that do have efficacy. Like, look, polio vaccine, you know, obviously works. Rabies vaccine obviously works. Tetanus vaccine, another good example of a vaccine that works. Vaccines are not bad, but when you oversaturate the market with vaccines of questionable efficacy, then you're unfortunately going to diminish the public's trust in what otherwise is a medically viable uh, option. Now, another uh, Democrat trying to run interference, Kate Por uh, Katie Porter from uh, California saying that Joe Biden is doing great with the economy. President Biden has done a terrific job on the economy. And I think this is a matter of just people wanting to, to sort of dream up what they could imagine um, for different kinds of candidates at this point. But the truth is Joe Biden has a terrific story to tell on the economy. Are you serious? A terrific story. I mean, gripping, but in a horrifying kind of way, like train derailments, supply chain issues, outrageous inflation, mortgage prices is mortgage prices increase increasing as the interest rate rises. What are you talking about? He's got a lot to brag Ethan, in the economy. That's Trump's fault. It's oh, from right. the previous yep. administration. Yep, I forgot. Blame it all on Trump. Uh, <laughs> now. You know, if those clips left you feeling uh, dissatisfied and borderline nauseated, here's something that will warm your heart. I know it's a couple weeks old at this point, but I, I missed out. I wanted to play the Nevada Ranger taking charge with those climate numbskulls blocking a desert highway as they baked in the sun, and he just rams them through and gets them off the road. Oh, I love this. Mental illness is a political identity and always has been. We're environmental protesters. She's screaming on the pavement as the officer is handcuffing her and dragging off her off to the side of the road. Like, good good on the Nevada Rangers. Now, as I understand it, this took place on a tribal reservation. So, but on the side of the vehicle, it said Nevada Ranger. So I guess they may maybe state... State authority has uh, uh, jurisdiction in the tribal reservation. I'm not sure. Either way, that's how you do it. That's how you get it done. And and they can't say that they're quote unquote peaceful protesters. Like, yeah, they may be unarmed, but they are ca causing harm to the population by having them stuck 
baking in the Nevada desert, uh, you know, uh, ground to a halt on the highway. It's unacceptable. What about emergency vehicles? What about people who need to get from point A to B? That's not a peaceful protest. Take your marches, take a climate protest, and take them off to the side of the road. It's that simple. Thanks for listening to 93 WIBC Saturday night on The Circle. We got more clips to come, this time focusing our attention to the world of entertainment where <laughs> there was a reporter uh, during an Atlantic uh, Atlanta premiere event for Creed III. Uh, Michael B. Jordan, the director, was speaking with somebody, an interviewer that he knew in high school and evidently made fun of him. So, Shell, we got Michael B. Jordan, the director and the star of Creed 3. And, you know, we know each other. We go way back all the way to Chad Science in Newark, okay? What a corny kid, right? <laughs> no, I did not say that. Misquoted for sure. No, you did not hear me say I said we used to make fun of the name. But, yeah, he is obviously killing things out here. Sad. Very sad. Sad. Life comes at you fast when you are interviewing the nerdy kid who is vastly more successful than you are, made millions more in a short time span, more than you're likely to make in your entire career. Like, what must that feel like? And be called out for mocking the kid? <laughs> Re revenge must be so sweet. Um, you know, and what a, what an awkward interview, but that's cool. Fun that was making the, the rounds on social media. Also making the rounds was this very awkward question asked to Mads Mikkelsen and director Nikolaj Arsai, who are making a 1700s Denmark, uh, you know, epic, historical epic. Um, and apparently it doesn't feature enough diversity. So shall we got my so you're a little bit into it. Uh, this is a cast and a Danish production, which is entirely Nordic. It uh, therefore has some lack of diversity, you would say, as also new rules are implied what? in Hollywood. What are you going to? Uh, sorry, but from the get-go, uh, from the get-go, there is set some rules of diversity in uh, across the Atlantic uh, for competing in the best picture, the equivalent to this uh, competition. As I see, you don't live up to these standards with this broadcast. I know you can't see the video, but imagine for the theater of the mind, Mads Mikkelsen, he's rolling his eyes when he's like, oh, right out of the gate with this bull crap. Like, seriously, it's it, it's it's infectious. It started with like, uh, remember the uh, recasting of Anne Boleyn? You know, the famously white Scottish <laughs> queen who was who was killed. Uh, you know, they recast r racially recast her uh, racially recast Cleopatra, um, you know, and just saying like pointing out that it was done poorly in the past. Uh, in primary example uh, being John Wayne playing Genghis Khan like, yeah, bad call and is mocked roundly today, not revered as a classic because that's a little bit silly. And so to, to do this and expect it out of a 1700s historical piece is absurd, but they even managed to accommodate some level of diversity while being respectful of history. This according to the director. Well, first of all, the film <laughs> takes place in Denmark in the 1750s. Yeah. We, ha we do have a... Um a big plot line, you know, about a, a girl of color who is being subjected to racism okay. and uh, 
you know, uh, and which was very rare. Any people of color in Denmark, yes. almost nobody. Uh, she was probably at the time the only one in the entire country of Denmark. There you go. They found the only one probably in the entire country of Denmark in the 1700s. But by Jove, they worked that diversity into the picture. And it's still not good enough for the Wokies. That's why you cannot bow to this crowd. And good on Mads. Good on, you know, what seems like a growing number, hopefully, of Hollywood elites seeming to, you know, kind of test the waters with pushing back against the ridiculousness that has wormed its way in our entertainment. Uh, Stay tuned for more on Saturday night on The Circle. We got a lot coming up. Look, if you hate cops just because of cops... The next time you get in trouble, call a crackhead. Stay tuned to 93 WIBC. Listening to Saturday Night on the Circle on 93 WIPC. Welcome back to the show, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your behatted broadcaster, Ethan Hatcher. Thanks for tuning into the program. And I can't imagine a more unfortunate nomenclature given the uh, cultural phenomenon sweeping the nation than. Barbie Oppenheimer, but that is just the uh, conundrum faced with one woman who's actually married to the third cousin of J. J. Robert Oppenheimer himself, and her given name being Barbara, thus became the married name of Barbara Oppenheimer, Barbie Oppenheimer being her legal name. Isn't that like... (laughs) That's quite a coincidence. And it's causing her problems whenever she goes to check in at hotel reservations because people think they're, you know, playing a joke like you're kidding right like nope slide the driver's license over it's that that's Bobby Oppenheimer to you. I wonder if she uh, covered her husband's uh, covered her husband's eyes for the uh, sex scene in Oppenheimer. (laughs) Like uh, This, of course, is a reference to a clip that I played on a couple episodes ago of Saturday Night on the Circle. Check the podcast uploaded to SaturdayNightOnTheCircle.Fireside.FM or WIBC.com. Uh, this really controlling wife was making her husband like lean on her shoulder uh, during Florence Pugh's sex scene. Very brief sex scene in the uh, J. Robert Oppenheimer biopic, but uh, who knows? Bar- hopefully Barbie Oppenheimer isn't that controlling. She's also a fan of Barbie ever since she was six. Like, I guess, a lot of girls in America, she had a Barbie, she had a Ken, she had a Midge and a Skipper. Uh, so she had the whole family of uh, Mattel Productions. There. I'm just thinking with a name like Barbie, I, I don't think that you're that could be that prudish. That's kind of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Um, but yeah, I mean, again, considering like the way that they chose to market those two films, the Barbenheimer phenomenon, and many people did go to see the double feature. It's just like, what a crazy coincidence to actually be married to the third cousin of Oppenheimer and then first name Barbara or Barbie as a nickname. That's <laughs> your, your own Barbenheimer. It's like a, a I'm own grandpa scenario. I guess they, they maybe uh, somebody creative could write a song about that. 
Thanks for listening to Saturday Night on the Circle. Before we close, also wanted to point out uh, this Mexico marathon that has reportedly disqualified 11,000 participants of a nearly 30,000 person race. They checked in with their little electronic check uh, uh, tagging devices and figured out that most of them didn't check in on the uh, checkpoints and had veered significantly off course. They were taking mass transit. They were hopping in cars. They were basically doing anything other than running. Um, and, of course, the authority uh, that put on the Mexico Marathon said that, you know, they, oh, this is very disappointing. Um, we're, they're besmir- besmirching the event, uh, the name of this event, by uh, uh, cheating. But can that really said to be uh, the case when... It's not the first time that this has happened. Like uh, this is this is a, apparently an ongoing tradition. Six thousand runners disqualified from the same 2017 race. Twenty percent of the field failing to complete the full course. Organizers uh, further ban- uh, disqualified a further three thousand runners following the 2018 race. So I guess like ten thousand runners. Like this is this is a pattern at this point. Can can we have these organizers monitor our elections? <laughs> <laughs> they seem to be on it, right? They, they, right. They could track the marathon runners, but not the votes. Um, but what this reminded me of is, I mean, of course, the story kind of amusing in and of itself, but also the historical parallel between the 1906 Olympic marathon, which itself a story disaster. I could go at length. One of the participants, uh, Andorin Carvajal, um, he was the uh, uh, the participant from Cuba. He actually placed fourth, but it it was a multi-mile course. It had, you know, steep grading hills. Passerby in vehicles uh, were kicking up dust in the road. At one point, multiple runners falling uh, to the side of the course in convulsions, coughing up blood because of the silica and particulate matter tearing their lungs apart. Like, this was a brutal race. It was over 100 degree, degree weather in the 1906 uh, Olympic marathon. Um, and again, the, the Cuban... Uh, marathon participant he was running in a full long sleeve shirt and pants and a hat um, he's stopping at the side of the course to talk with participants um, he got hungry he stole a couple peaches from some people who were passing by in a car he's like hey I'm I'm hungry can I have your peaches and they're like no and he grabbed two and ran off uh, he went he later went and stopped at an apple orchard um, and ate some apples while on the Olympic 1906 marathon um, that ended up being rotten at the core and uh, gave him uh, food poisoning. (laughs) And so he's throwing up, took a nap, and still finished fourth. So there's parallels between the Mexican Marathon and the 1906 Olympic race, and that just amuses me. Stay tuned to Saturday Night on The Circle. We've got more on the way. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Saturday Night on the Circle podcast. Be sure to catch us live every Saturday night from 7 to 9 Eastern on 93 WIBC Indianapolis and watch us on the YouTube live stream where you can comment live with other fans. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. This is Saturday Night on the Circle on 93 WIBC. Welcome back to Saturday Night on the Circle. 
where Democrat mayor of New York City, Eric Adams, is waving the white flag under the enormous pressure of tens of thousands of illegal migrants flowing from the border to his city and overwhelming the infrastructure to support it. Thanks for listening to Saturday Night on the Circle. I'm Ethan Hatcher, your bespectacled curmudgeon, producer Carl sitting opposite me, beep, 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 pushing the buttons and doing the things to make the show function. Now, it's hilarious to watch Eric Adams uh, cry that the city is on the verge of collapse when he invited the hordes of migrants to his doorstep by declaring it a sanctuary city by leaning on that Democrat virtue signal but apparently virtue follow through is not their strong suit it's you know they they want the benefit of appearing to support policies that make them look good but when the rubber meets the road they fold like a damp old soccer a cheap suit because they don't have the means to support hundreds of thousands of people like Adoy if only somebody had seen this coming and warned them about the disastrous effects of unlimited migration, um, the disastrous effects of Biden's border policy. They expected Republican border states to shoulder the burden of this, but now they're basically having to eat their words. Uh, the, the virtue follow through, uh, whether they like it or not, is uh, being forced upon them and Eric Adams. Oh, the city's on the verge of collapse. I don't see an ending to this. This issue will destroy New York City. Oh, no. Destroy New York City. We're getting 10,000 migrants a month. One time we were just in Venezuela. Now we're in Ecuador. Now we're getting Russian speaking coming through Mexico. Now we're getting uh, Western Africa. Now we're getting people from all over the globe have made their minds up that they're going to come through the southern part of the border and come into New York City. And everyone is saying it's New York City's problem. Every community in this city is going to be impacted. We got a $12 billion deficit that we're going to have to cut. Every service in this city is going to be impacted. Perhaps you think you're being treated unfairly? No. Good. This deal is getting worse all the time. And just like Lando Calrissian, uh, Mayor Eric Adams invited the evil empire into Bespin or the New York City because he did this deal with the Biden administration. He, you know, supported the 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 limitless flow of migrants over the border. And now he his city is being overwhelmed as a result. They bought their tickets. They knew what they were getting into. I say, let them crash. But they don't want to live with the effects of the policy they invited. Uh, Democrat Mayor Kathy Hochul asking for a federal bailout, as is Eric Adams, because they need tens of millions of dollars to sustain this. But, you know, the Republican border states have been putting up with this for decades. I have sent a letter to President Biden formally requesting immediate executive action in four key areas. First expedited work authorization so we can get these people out of shelters and into the jobs. Financial support for federal housing vouchers, schools, health care, legal services, case management, and shelter for us to provide to these asylum seekers. The use of more federal facilities to construct new temporary shelters. And reimbursement for the cost of our National Guard, which have been on the ground at these shelters throughout the state. We want more money. Yeah, more money. 
More money from where? Just more money, you know. Note of the four areas Democrat mayor or Democrat mayor, Democrat governor Kathy Hochul wanted uh, the Biden administration to address. None of them involved securing the border. They wanted bailouts. They wanted expanding federal facilities to handle the influx. They wanted them to be granted work visas right away. But what they didn't mention any not even a hint of, is securing the border to stop the tide. That's what's so damning and what is really an indictment of their mentality. Um, they want the influx because they desire remolding of the country. And, of course, they're operating uh, part and parcel with the uh, uh, moneyed business interests. You know, we, we, we've, we've been through this rodeo a number of times where you get illegal uh, workers into the country uh, to artificially deflate labor value. That's, you know, it's part of the game. Um, and it's really disgusting what's going on in front of our eyes that is being egged on in so many ways by the negligence of the Biden administration. Thanks for listening to Saturday Night on The Circle. Of course, uh, Biden, not the only person that is failing. Also, unfortunately, thousands of Hoosier kids missing out on free breakfast and lunch, even though uh, many families continue to struggle with hunger and food insecurity. So we have more Hoosier children that need the free food, but even though it's available, they're not taking advantage of it. And of course, I'm not blaming the kids. It's not their fault. It's the rotten parents who aren't taking like, and this is the problem. Like even when you have uh, free, you know, free meals, free school, free school lunches and breakfast in the summer, they're not taking advantage of the program. And like, how do you legislate good parenting? You really can't. Like the the, the social societal mechanism by which that used to transpire was uh, some, some element and aspect of shame. We don't do that anymore. Uh, we enable bad parenting. And then to such a degree that even when you have these free programs, they are not taken advantage of. And the people, the people who suffer the most is unfortunately the kids. Like, I'm not sure how you are able to recover from a bad setup like that. And of course, many, many do. There are examples of people um, who, who make a better life, uh, even though they had bad examples from their parents growing up. But it, it's just sad to see um, when many of these kids are left behind. And then now these parents, instead of taking responsibility, then in turn blame others in their life for the failure. Like another example from Indiana schools, this from Washington Township, where parents are blaming the school for a racial achievement gap. Now, mind you, these schools are, you know, glutted, inundated with Democrat operatives and uh, teachers union fans. Um, and so for these people to then say that the schools are racist, well, then what, what does that say about the Democrats who are staffing the schools? Um, but yes, there's apparently a large educational gap, um, severe, according to the Indiana Department of Education, 18.6% of Hispanic students in Washington Township, 20.7% of black students are proficient in the English language compared to 68% of their white counterparts, 17% of Hispanic students, and 13 of black students are proficient in math compared again, to 60% of their white counterparts. So yes, quite a gap, but instead of parents 
you know, stepping up and stepping forward to make sure that their their children have an educational achievement. They're instead blaming the school to help close the gap. Members of the group concerned residents of Washington Township are asking school board members to step up and hold educators accountable. The belief of the group is that all kids deserve access to an excellent education. Race and income should not be barriers to achievement, uh, whether it's achieving success in school or achieving long term success. Um, and they're concerned. And they want to see the school system truly committed to diversity, equity, and inclusion. Like, we've got a cart before the horse scenario when you're blaming the educators for the educa- the educational achievement and attainment of the student. Like, clearly, there are some students who are benefiting from the educational structure of Washington Township. I, you know, unless it can be proven otherwise, I think that's a very serious accusation to say that there is uh, some degree of racism being levied about, levied by the educators um you know instead the much more likely answer is a lack of part- participation at the home and we need to really drill down on the cultural uh, causes for that disparity instead of blaming the school for an educa- uh, disparity in educational attainment thanks for listening to saturday night on the circle we've got a lot more to come later in the show guest rob kendall is joining the program and we're going to talk more about my crash in pennsylvania getting temporarily stranded while my uh, motor fell out and talk with his experiences on the vast open american roadways uh, many of you know he used to have to travel back and forth to north carolina a 12-hour journey to his radio station so we might get some good talk out of that stay tuned for the conversation coming up on saturday night on the circle you can't forget all your troubles forget all your cares so go downtown things will be great this is saturday night on the circle on 93 wipc thanks for tuning in to saturday night on the circle one of the more annoying facets of the modern world is those stupid little tablets that have shown up at basically every retail institution. They flip around, you got a tip. Now you're tipping in places you've never tipped before, and it's really uh, hitting you in the pocketbook at a time when inflation is already taking its toll and Bidenomics is leaving you uh, more stretched than ever before. So I thought it would be a worthy endeavor. Producer Carl sitting opposite me, beep, 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 pushing those buttons and doing the things to make the show function. If we covered... Where you should tip, where you shouldn't tip. That makes sense? You think our listeners get something out of that? Yeah. All right. Uh, This is per the Emily Post Institute online, um, where they said a lot of it common sense if you go to like a salon or a barber or a restaurant where you're sitting down and ordering. That's a full service establishment. You should be tipping for good service between 15 to 20 percent. That's fair. I think that's reasonable Um, for food delivery. Suggest less from about 10 to 15 percent. Now, I'm uh, starting to get in a little bit muddy territory there. You know, 15 percent, I'll, I'll do 10 percent on a delivery, except if you're adding a delivery fee, then I might do less. You know, like the I, I don't think the pizza pie adds much of a delivery fee. So I'll, you know, make sure to tip in 10 to 15 percent to your, to your pizza guy. But uh, you, you order from Grubhub or some of these online places, don't they don't they add a substantial delivery fee to that? I like, do believe so, although I don't go through Grubhub uh, at like, all. Uh, so I don't right, know. I rarely order from there, but I mean, I'll leave them a few dollars, but get a 10%, geez, like, I don't know. Um, coffee shop, they say, on the other hand, that is up to you. Totally agree with that. I'm not tipping on the coffee, certainly not at a Starbucks. Maybe 
maybe at a local coffee house because those places tend to have pretty thin profit margins. So, you know, I'll toss a little bit of something in the uh, tip jar. If I'm paying cash, you know, you got a little bit left over. That never hurts. Um, but otherwise, I'm certainly not going to tip if I come and pick up the meal. Like you order takeout and then they, you know, flip the little tablet over and you're expected to tip then. No, 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 no. What about you, uh, Carl? Do you have any uh, tipping, do's and don'ts? I do tip because we are in the United States, but I like the Japanese. You tip on takeout? Well, no, but I'm just in general. I like the Japanese culture regarding this topic. Are you aware of what they think about tipping? Enlighten us. Zero. Well, because it's built into the service. It's it's part of the service. And I, as an American, the last time, it's been many years since I've been there, um, I left a tip. And here comes the store owner, the restaurant owner, like, don't do this. You insult me yeah. when you give a tip. And I'm like, now that's transparency and pricing. I'm pretty sure it's the same way in France. Yeah. Um, I it's, think it's, it's, tipping is the exception. Americans are the exception with this tipping BS, with this taxing BS. Because also in most European countries, they add the tax into your purchase. It's really an American phenomenon where you, you know, come up to the register and then surprise, sales tax, you know, state tax, transaction tax, and then it gets added on and then you have to tip on top of it. It's just really nice and up forward when it's all built into the transaction, right? Am I wrong? Chad, do you, do, do we have any opinions on the tipping? Do we disagree? You think uh, uh, tipping should be included in the price? I'm curious to see what uh, what our listeners. I, have I was going to say, say for those uh, that are listening, streaming into like New York City, they're insane over there. They like they they tip their garbage collectors. So at the end of the year, they're expected to leave a gift for the garbage collector, and if you don't, <laughs> maybe your garbage Uh-oh. is not going to get picked up. It's that kind of stuff. <laughs> now, per Emily Post Institute, they also suggested, uh, speaking of New York, and well, they got they got money to throw around in New York. Um, they also said you should tip your va- valet. That I agree with. That's a bonus. Those people are usually uh, you know paid in tips, and, it's and also you don't want ins- them to take a dump in the trunk. Yeah, it's an insurance policy. <laughs> there we that, go. Yeah, nothing happens. <laughs> bad happens to your car. So make sure to tip the valet. But there, there you go. Some. Uh, uh, tipping tips on Saturday night on the circle. Uh, maybe we'll have our own segment on uh, 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 manners, you know, like uh, Su- Susan Beckwith <laughs> tipping policy here on Saturday night on the circle. Probably not. Probably not. I don't have enough to say about that. Um, <laughs> thanks for listening to the show, by the way. Um, this was a crazy story. Um, speaking of Japan. Um, and their tipping culture. This was something, now you'd think the Japanese would be up to date on this. Their factories were shut down, 14 of them, for about two days because they didn't have enough disk space in the system. So when what? the computer was doing routine maintenance, they kept, you know, it was cleaning out old data files and then they topped off on the memory and it, you know, it had an error and it took them 2 days to reset the system probably because they needed to far, you know, source out some more memory even to boot the thing back up. And what's worse about this, I mean, not only is this a very easy thing to check into like guys, make sure you have enough disk space in your yeah. Yeah, your software gives you alerts that like, hey, we're running uh-huh. out of space. Yeah, well, I guess uh, whoever's job that was wasn't checking <laughs> yeah. it. You'd think they would be up to date on that, but no. And these 14 plants in Japan are responsible for about, what was it? A third of Toyota's global production for the whole facility. And so that is talking about, you know, a multi-million dollar failure. Make sure to check uh, your software, ladies and gentlemen, if you're running a manufacturing facility. My goodness, that is... 
That's an easy oversight, but you'd, you'd think they would be up to date on that. Um, now, here's another interesting story about the economy. A Ball State University economist, Dr. Hicks, he's predicting work from home hybrid structures are here to stay permanently. Um, in the Hoosier State, 60,000 or fewer remote workers were in our uh, workforce for the year 2019. That's grown ballooning by about uh, today, about 31% of the workforce overall. This is disastrous. It's mostly primarily popular with the young people, and this shows you how young and stupid most people are um, because that is inviting a problem. Um, work into your home space is a disaster waiting to happen, paving the way for 24 7 um, work from home, on call, hellscape. Like, I don't want to be on call when I'm in my house. I want to be at work when I'm at work, go to the office, and when I'm home, I'm at home. I don't want to be on call from the boss 24 7, just a couple clicks away. Like, that is nightmarish. And then the idea that you're chained to your your office your home is your office no 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 what do you what do you have to say about that producer Carl? you you don't want to do the show from home <laughs> well i know somebody here who would disagree <laughs> who likes to do the show from home but no i like to be in the studio i like the atmosphere of this wonderful broadcasting facility that we have, even though the carpets are, you know, original to the facility in the 90s and probably haven't been vacuumed since then, whatever. It's still a really nice view that's currently ob sure. uh, obstructed by the American flag. But otherwise, we get to look out on Monument Circle. We got really nice co-workers. Like, I want to come in and mingle, you know, and then I want to go home. I don't want, that's the, that's the other thing. I don't want the co-workers at my house, you know. The co-workers can be at work, and then the home is the home life. Uh, the so, so mingling in, these two is a problem. So in theory, I, I, I tend to want to work from home, in theory, but you're absolutely right. Um, if you have a spouse, um, the concept of you being home all the time, it wears thin. <laughs> We'll see very that. quickly, particularly when the boss. I so saw my um, last job prior to coming back to WIBC. I was working for an L.A. company, so they work until six, which is nine p.m. So I was working until ten p.m. And it's like, no, this is this is not working. So you're on call at work yeah. and at home, twenty four seven. This sounds like a nightmare scenario. Yeah. Again, going to show the young people. Really aren't using, you know, the full full brainial capacity there. As usual, the young people are ruining it for everybody, right? <laughs> Damn youngins! <laughs> Waving my fist at the sky. Get off my lawn! <laughs> Thanks for listening to Saturday Night on The Circle. More content to come. Uh, Rob Kendall coming in the studio. We're going to talk more about uh, me being stuck in a strange and foreign land of Pennsylvania with motor issues and maybe some of his stories from the vast American roadways. Stay tuned for that. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Saturday Night on the Circle podcast. Be sure to catch us live every Saturday night from 7 to 9 Eastern on 93 WIBC Indianapolis and watch us on the YouTube live stream where you can comment live with other fans. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. I got spurs that jingle, jangle, jingle, jingle, jangle, as I go riding merrily along, jingle, jangle.
You're listening to Saturday Night on the Circle on 93 WIPC. And that song, Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to Saturday Night on the Circle, where I am the Bohemian Codger, Ethan Hatcher. Don't miss the podcast uploaded to Saturday Night on the Circle.fireside.fm, WIBC.com, and we're uh, hop in the comments while we're streaming live on the YouTube. In my travels and experiences across the fruited plains of these United States, it was inevitable that eventually disaster would strike as it did for me last week while rolling through the hills of Pennsylvania, temporarily stranding me in a strange and foreign land. Here to share stories of the vast American roadways is the weary wanderer and witty watering hole wizard. He's one half of the Kendall and Casey show. The one and only Rob Kendall joins Ethan, us on the show. Ethan, hello. You get more skinny and beautiful every time I see you. Well, I gained two pounds back on vacation. I, was, I let the diet go. Do you know how good that is to go on a vacation and only gain two pounds? <laughs> I'm serious. Well, do you know how people would kill? I think Hammer gained about 37 when he was on vacation recently. You should applaud yourself. But Hammer is blessed with the ability to pack it on yeah. and take it off yeah. Yeah, with, yeah. with great rapidity. Yeah, and absolutely. that's what I envy. Yep. You yep. Know. But anyway, so I had just the worst, and we talked about this a little bit uh, in the first hour, yeah. um, just a miserable experience on my vacation to Pennsylvania. As I was pulling off one of the Oasi, uh, I started hearing my engine oh, no. rattle. Well, <laughs> see, the, the telltale uh, signs of transmission issues. Well, <laughs> see, this is why I don't fly, because think about it, Ethan, as bad as this was for you, you were able to pull over to the nearest applicable exit yes. and then begin to, with your feet on the ground and no traumatic anything to your person, examine the problem and come up with a solution, while not convenient, a solution that involved you not losing life or limb. Although with the steep inclines and downgrades of the Pennsylvania Hills, that's that's like the worst place to have engine trouble or if your motor is going out. Fortunately, mine did not. I was able to drive it um, to the destination and get there uh, and leave it stranded at a a repair shop off to the side of a Pennsylvania roadway, so I'm returning. But it made me think you had kind of Similar experiences, I imagine, going to and from North Carolina. Surely something equally as dramatic would have befallen Rob Kendall. Okay, so yes, so I owned a radio station for about, uh, let's see. 11-ish years in uh, 30 minutes west of Wilmington. And so it was about a 12-hour drive. And uh, the guy I owned the radio station with, actually works here, producer Jason uh, and I, would take turns. Uh, I would go for two weeks. I would drive down. We actually lived in the back of the radio station. We turned it into a house. And then I'd be back here for two weeks. So every two weeks, I would drive to the Atlantic Ocean and back. And I will tell you, I did the majority of those trips... Uh, I didn't go for 10 years, but a couple of those years, every two weeks, like like clockwork. And I did it in a, I believe it was a 1997 Toyota Corolla that by the time I got done with it, had roughly 300,000 miles oh, on, wow. the, uh, you, on, on the car itself. Yes. You pushed that as far as it could go. Now, with 300,000 miles, did you have any transmission problems? Anything uh, blow was, up on the, on the trip? I was very lucky. Now, Jason had a van for many years, and Jason did have the van completely break down on him. Uh, so he was forced to do that. Now, luckily, here's the deal. Luckily, we had a mechanic who was one of our advertisers on a radio station, was a friend, so we were actually able, we had that 100 miles of towing, and he was close enough to the radio station. It was like 60 miles. We were able to get the thing towed to our advertiser's shop, and then he was able to fix the thing for a, uh, you know, he charges for parts, and that's that's it. And we were able to get the thing up and moving in. Uh, I did 
on a trip home because you'd leave very early in the morning. You'd try to get home before it got dark. So yeah. you'd leave early in the morning. It's twelve at twelve ish hour trip. That's I a did, grueling I, journey. I did. It, it it was fine as except in the summers because this may come as a surprise to you that it's very hot in the south in the summers. Um, at about six in the morning one time, a check engine light came on, and I was about an hour. I had just gone from the North Carolina to South Carolina border. So I just crossed the border. So you have like 11, you're not close enough to get back in a reasonable time, but yet, you know, you obviously don't want to keep going. I called the mechanic. He walked me through, uh, asked me what I saw. He assured me there was no problem. And I drove the entire rest of the trip with a check engine light on. And he was right. I was able to make it home. But luckily, I never actually had a car break down on me the entire time I was driving across the country. It was amazing. That's incredible. That's that's very lucky. Yes. Now, how on earth did you ever come to own a radio station? Uh, How did that come to be? I know you did. Many people know uh, that I, once upon a time, earned my living. I owned a company that streamed high school and college sporting events on the internet. And we had uh, literally hundreds of people. This was pre-Facebook streaming everything, pre-YouTube streaming everything. And so if you wanted, and you never radio deal. You wanted a game streamed on the internet. I owned a company that that did that. Uh, I'm like Zuckerberg, but without making all the money. Uh, Because the money I made, I spent on a radio station. And anybody, if you're considering buying a radio station, don't consult your tax professional. Um, And so we knew a guy that was one of our clients who said, hey, there's this radio station that's going up for sale. The guy who owned it was also in the housing market. Uh, and Ethan, you may recall what happened to the housing market in oh, uh, 2008. Yeah. And I think he needed to, uh, at, a reason- at, a re- at a reasonable fee, <laughs> he wasn't in much of a room to negotiate. And so uh, we obtained a radio station, yes. And then spent 10 years running it. Uh, I mean, yes. Did and it teach you something that, I, you, that, that you would later use in your broadcasting yes, career here? Yes, did. Okay, so here's the things that taught me. Cause, so I made a large amount of money very quickly, very young, owning my streaming company. And Ethan, you know what I thought? Well, crap, I've got the Midas touch. I am an infallible businessman. No, I am not. That was number one to tell me. Number two, don't get in the radio business. It's a recipe for disaster. And number three, Ethan, um, manage your money wisely. Always have well, money that's just squir- a good tip for life. squirreled away because you never know when you're going to make a bad business choice. Now, speaking of bad choices and roadway disasters, see, that's a good transition there. Yes. I wanted to cover an issue I imagine you have strong, equally strong opinions yes. on. Uh, this disaster that has been proposed by the chuckleheads over in uh, the city council, yeah. uh, changing the one-way roads, crossing the city into two-way lanes. Now, I can't vouch for every roadway, but yep. in particular, on the east side of Indianapolis, uh, Michigan and New York, through ways across the city of Indianapolis. This is an idiotic idea. I cannot underscore enough how terrible the concept is, and they're bragging about how it's going to slow down traffic, because gridlock is the feature you want in a city, in in these people's opinion. Well, especially in a major metropolitan (sighs) city, and I I say this from my own experience, having run a non-major metropolitan city, but a thriving community in central Indiana. I was once told by, when we were considering a sign and zoning ordinance, and the chief of police, because obviously speed limits, you know, no turn on reds, whatever. Those are huge parts of uh, traffic flow. So this is part of the sign and zoning ordinance. And the chief of police once said, the number one goal in a sign and zoning ordinance as it relates to traffic should be to keep the traffic moving as often as you can. Because he said, 
people can be moving slowly, but as long as they're moving, they have hope they will soon be at their destination or out of this slow-moving conundrum they are in. If the traffic is not moving, then they lose all hope, and that's when people get angry and turn into you know unpredictable people. And so um, the goal of whatever you do, whether it's one-way streets, two-way streets, no turn on red, whatever, should be a responsible movement of traffic as often as possible, and yet you have seen the city of Indianapolis take the exact opposite approach, whether it's the red line or, as you're talking about, with these new potential restrictions, etc. because it's not about the flow of movement to them, which is what it should be. It's about bizarre leftist fantasies in many cases. I'm glad you mentioned the red line, because that does tie into this discussion for a couple of different reasons. Also, a poorly conceived and executed concept from beginning to finish, and also to allure more federal money. Indianapolis, what they get? Uh, more than $20 million for the red line, and that's exactly what's happening with this proposal. You had Andre Carson and, of course, Buddha 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 Judge yeah. rocking everywhere, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, make an appearance with the city council, and they're giving $25 million in freebie federal dollars to enact this atrocity on the city of Indianapolis. This, like, this is a bad idea. I've heard it justified because it's going to slow down traffic as if gridlock was a feature, and then also, well, that's going to eliminate uh, the people who are driving the wrong way on one right way roads. Newsflash, idiots! They'll drive the wrong way on two-way roads as well. They do, frequently. And you know, Ethan, because you are a a real estate tycoon here in central Indiana, and (laughs) while you're you're not as aged as I am, you've driven around the city for many, many years. You're a man of your 30s now. One of the pre-Joe Hogsett, one of the selling points of living in and working in downtown was the easy flow of movement. Mm -hmm. Like, for me, as a person who drove from the west side in a west side suburb, it was a very easy 25-minute venture to downtown. And then once you were downtown, and I'm talking eight, nine, ten years ago, you had a pretty easy flow of movement for a major metropolitan city, especially compared to other places like, say, a Chicago or New York or whatever. Compared to anywhere. I mean, I've driven through yes. some of these cities. I'm sure you have as well. I've yeah. driven through Chicago. I've driven through New York. I've driven through Cleveland. I've driven through ma- you know uh, yep. Cincinnati and other major cities. Like, it is a nightmare on the whole. We are incredibly blessed to have a navigable a city like Indianapolis. There was a non-existent problem, which was the flow of movement, which existed in downtown, and they have made it into a problem by the policies of the Hogshead administration. I mean, think about that. I mean, am I wrong? You drive, I drive here to work now. You drive here because you live here. Am I right or am I wrong? They took a non-existent problem and turned it into a problem by their policy. Yes. No, absolutely. They've created a problem. I mean, the the throughway on College Avenue has been mutilated because the red line, and now they're getting ready to do it with the one-way through, the through fares to the city, this is this is problematic, as the left likes to say. Yes, that, that's correct, and it's of their own doing, and it's because of this weird obsession with buses and forcing. I mean, they really don't want. Ultimately, what this is all about is it's, it's not money. Well, but it's but it's about they don't want people to have free flow of movement because free flow of movement is freedom as an individual. Yes, and if you are confined to having to take public transportation of some sort, then it is 
is another area where you are beholden to the government. Yes, you have brought us full circle and connected us again with the red line, which I appreciate because I was going to highlight that very thing. By limiting your movement, it's forcing you into their ridiculous schemes. 100%. Absolutely. Disastrous. Yes. But but you are not disastrous. You are a national treasure, and the people are better off for having heard you every single Saturday. Thank you, Rob. That's what we do. You're listening to 93 WIBC Saturday night on The Circle. More on the way. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Saturday night on the circle on 93 WIBC. Welcome back to Saturday night on the circle. Just wrapping things up here on a beautiful Saturday, uh, September evening. Thanks for tuning into the show. Podcasts uploaded to WIBC.com. Saturday night on the circle.fireside.fm. And of course, you can always join us while we're streaming live on the YouTube. Producer Carl, I'll ask you a question. What do you think is the least amount of money you would need to retire on? I'll let you uh, simmer on that for a moment while I talk about this bus driver from the Louisville area uh, of Kentucky, where lottery officials announced James Cohen won $100,000 on the Powerball. He uh, won a $50,000 prize with a uh, two times multiplier for $100,000, taking home $71,500 after taxes. The day he won the lottery, he called up his uh, boss at the school uh, bus depot. He's like, I'm retiring. I'm retiring. Now, more more power to him. I, I, you know, apparently he'd been planning on retiring for a while, but uh, you better be investing that $71,000 mighty wisely because that does not go very far, no. very fast in uh, this modern world, let alone to retire on. What state was this? This is Kentucky. Oh, I don't think it's Kentucky. I don't think. Well, <laughs> look, I don't think he's living in a shack. And even then, $71,000 is mighty slip to retire on. Like, I, I don't know. To, to answer your question, I think you need at least a mil. Okay, the, yes. Yeah, that mil. was that was going to be my answer. Like a minimum of a million dollars because you could live for a couple of years. It would it might be thin, but you could live for a couple of years just paying bills um, strictly on the cash and then use the remaining cash flow, hopefully, for some longer-term investments and then, uh, you know, some uh, uh, get some other cash flow. But, yeah, you would even then, even then you wouldn't be able to fully retire. You'd have, just have to manage your money um, in a way that, had, uh, paid for your lifestyle so you'd be investing a lot of work in that like life is expensive these days life is expensive but i think i need to win at least a million dollars to retire on hundred thousand because even then a million dollars is not that million dollars what i guess you'd be getting the equivalent of seven hundred thousand dollars back so you need like 1.5 million maybe um in order to successfully retire like god i i'd like that that dilemma, is, though, yeah, you know, right. I'd like to like, well, you know, I, I, I don't know how much it would take, but I'd like the opportunity. I can think about it. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, I guess keep playing the Powerball. <laughs> it could happen to you. 
Thanks for listening to 93 WIBC. Before we uh, come to a close, um, this was a crappy situation for a Delta flight from Atlanta to Barcelona. Apparently, they had a bout of explosive diarrhea with one of the passengers, and I don't know how this got all over... I mean, the way they made it sound, it got all over the cabin. Like, what's going on with you? What did you eat? Did you get, like, the wrong Taco Bell? And they... Um, they were reporting this on the uh, on the intercom for their uh, communicating with the uh, traffic control tower. Negative. It's just a, a biohazard issue. I, you know, we've had a passenger who had diarrhea all the way through the airplane, so oh my goodness. they wanted to come back to Atlanta. Ooh. Human. So this was a two, you know, there were more than two hours into the flight when they had to circle back and then take another plane. Could you imagine being stuck in that tin can with the stench? It's just wafting through and then it's it's recycled air. You can't even oh. open a window. It's like getting cycled back through the filtration system. Uh, uh, uh. Poor guy. I mean, they said it was some kind of medical issue. I dare say uh. so, but they didn't specify what. Again, I'm going to blame Taco Bell. It's probably an airport Taco Bell. <laughs> I hope Taco Bell's not a sponsor. <laughs> I'm bad with the corporate sponsors, <laughs> yeah. Carl, except for King's Hawaiian, yeah. which we had earlier and uh, may be building a factory in uh, uh, just south of Edinburgh uh, at, at, here in Indiana. So King's Hawaiian, delicious dinner rolls if you want to be a sponsor of Saturday Night on The Circle. We won't besmirch your name like Delta or... <laughs> Taco Bell or Enterprise. Yeah, Enterprise. The list goes on. I better I better get off before I get in trouble legitimately. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the show, ladies and gentlemen. As always, it's fun coming into the studio and just having a chat with you. I have a blast on Saturday night on The Circle. Uh, producer Carl, of course, is phenomenal. And this Saturday has been really fun because, like I said at the beginning of the show, I was not 100% for sure that I was going to make it back to Indianapolis in time to do the broadcast. So I'm just pleased that I was able to make it. We're glad that you're you're back safe and sound. And I leave you with my parting words of wisdom. As always, wherever you are, whoever you're with, whatever you're doing, remember that life is a state of mind. And I'll see you, ladies and gentlemen, next time on Saturday Night on The Circle. <laughs>